You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Lord God, thank you that we get to see a testimony like that to show us an example of what it means to live a life sent by you into the world. Thank you for the gift of adoption as somebody that has received it twice in my life, uh, by my parents who adopted me, and then when you adopted me into your family, I pray, God, that we would be a church that adopts people in the same way we were adopted, by the love of God through the power of the gospel. And God, help me now to preach Acts chapter two in a way that honors you and activates our people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Welcome to Church New Spring. If you haven't done this yet, can you high-five somebody next to you and say, welcome to church? Go ahead and do that. And as far as I know, everybody is sitting in an air-conditioned building right now at New Spring Church. Can I just say something right now? Yesterday, it was 94 degrees, but they said that the heat index was 101. And I just wanna tell you that if it's 94 degrees, but it feels like it's 101, can we all agree it's 101? I don't understand the difference. Well, hey, my name's Clayton King. Great to meet y'all this morning. We're in Acts chapter two today. I'd love for you to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. We're in a series called Sent. And all throughout this series, we're looking in the book of Acts to see what the earliest Christians looked like and what it means for us to embrace this identity that we are sent by God into our world. You heard this last week. Brad said it from the stage, and we're gonna say this again and again. God loved the world so much that he sent his son. God loves your world so much that he's sending you. And uh, when you're the preacher and it's your turn on a Sunday at New Spring, because we teach in team, like we lead in team, like we do everything in team, you included, when it's your turn to preach, you become really sensitive that week to the thing that you're preaching. I preach it to myself first, and then as I preach it to you, I will notice throughout the week that my eyes become aware of and my ears become attuned to what God might be trying to show me. So as I'm pre uh, preparing this message to talk about what it means to be sent by God with, with boldness and kindness, I started noticing all the people in our church who live a sent lifestyle. Shari and I had dinner with one of our couples from the Myrtle Beach campus this week, the Haddocks. They drove up to the upstate. They are sent into their world in the professional counseling world. They own a professional counseling agency and they have offices in Myrtle Beach and Columbia and soon to be the upstate. It was encouraging to talk to a friend of mine this week named Lee and Lee owns a roofing business and Lee is on the top of roofs. It's 100 degrees outside and him and his crew are up there and they know that every house they work on, that's where God has sent them. I've got a friend in Columbia that owns a tech company and shares the gospel with people all the time. And this week even was praying for him because that's where he's sent. Uh, school is back. And some of you are in a classroom and you're teaching students and you are sent there. I had a conversation Friday night with the assistant principal at T.L. Hannah High School where my son goes to school. And Mr. Garrett was telling me how God has sent him to the public school to be on mission to share the love of Jesus and the kindness of God so that he can be a display of the gospel. I guess what I'm trying to say, New Spring, and I hope that you can feel this, it's God is moving in our church, but he's not just using two or three people. He's using all of us together. We're a team. 
And, and you're not gonna see a move of God because somebody preaches a wonderful sermon or because one of your teaching team has some really tweetable quote or phrase. We're seeing a move of God in our church right now because everybody's pitching in. We're all getting involved. And that's what this series is about, to empower you with confidence that wherever you sit, that's where you're sent. Wherever you stand, that's where you're sent. Whoever you can see, that's where you're sent. So let me start off with this phrase and then we're gonna look at the scripture. Like the earliest Christians, we are sent with boldness and kindness. That's how the Spirit of God sends us out into the world. We are bold for the gospel and we are kind to people. That we proclaim it with our mouths and we display it with our actions. That the, the gospel is on display on Sundays when we gather and Monday through Saturday when we go. The gospel is here when we, when we go to school, when we go to work, when we're driving home from vacation. We are sent on God's mission. And just like these Christians in Acts chapter two, we should be marked by boldness and by kindness. Now, let me tell you this before I read Acts chapter two to you. If you haven't read Acts chapter two in a minute, you need to read it because this chapter is wild. It is wild. Now, I grew up half Baptist, half Pentecostal. And so I was familiar with Acts chapter two growing up in a Pentecostal background because that is what we call the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes in power. Three major things happen in Acts chapter two. The Spirit of God descends in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and everybody from all over the world is able to understand each other's own languages even though they don't know how to speak them. The second thing that happens, Peter proclaims the gospel publicly and 3,000 people are baptized in one day. The third thing that happens as we move through Acts chapter two is that that massive moment of outpouring leads to a massive moment of evangelism, leads to hundreds if not thousands of small moments where people begin to practice kindness in their homes. They begin to open up their doors and their tables to their neighbors. And they begin to share with each other everything that they have need for and God continues to add to their number. Let's unpack Acts chapter two. And when this message is over, I believe the Holy Spirit is gonna impart to you this spirit of boldness and kindness as the people of God on mission. All right, Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one, the first thing that we see is that in the book of Acts, especially chapter two, we are surprised by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is about to surprise them in Acts chapter two. He's gonna do some wild things that nobody understands. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is so wild in Acts chapter two that the people on the outside looking in think the people who have received the Spirit are drunk. Nine o'clock in the morning drunk, like got started early drunk. But it's not drunkenness, it is being filled with the Spirit that makes the difference. Here it is, Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then 
they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. Now, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. By the way, just to drop a note here, this is one of the reasons why we as a church have stated that one of our values is we will be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church, that we want people from every skin color, ethnicity, background, nationality to be in this house because this is God's house and we are God's people, and we see that happen right here. It says in verse six, when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astonished and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Now, before I read this, pay attention. There are not one, not two, not three, 15, one five, 15 different ethnic backgrounds all mentioned right here together, rapid fire. Verse nine, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from both Rome, Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. You always got a hater that doesn't believe it, right? You always got somebody, got to have a comment. What is, what is the point behind all of this? In so many ways, what the Spirit of God is doing here in Acts chapter two is reverse the curse of Babel. If you go back to Genesis, people in their arrogance and pride had decided they were gonna build a tower to heaven and be like God. And God confounded and confused their languages. And the Spirit doesn't bring confusion, the Spirit brings unity. The Spirit brings teamwork. The Spirit gets all of us on the same page, not for our sake, but for the sake of the mission of the gospel. There are broken, lost people in Jerusalem, and one of the greatest ways to bring the gospel to people is to show that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, unifies us in spite of our differences. 15 different backgrounds, 15 different nationalities. How many different opinions do you think these people had about religious ideas and religious beliefs? But you know what the Spirit does? The Spirit tells us when he fills us, hey, put the secondary and the tertiary issues on the back burner and let's get on the same page about what we know is true and what we can agree on, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he is raised from the dead for our new life, that he's coming again to take us to be with him, where we will live in a new heaven and a new earth. Isn't that good news? Now go tell somebody. We can agree on that. We can disagree about all kinds of other things, politics and sports and black coffee versus energy drinks or Ford versus Chevy. Who cares? We should care more about Jesus than all of that stuff. And it's the Spirit's job to unify us even if we speak different languages. That's why it's so important to gather here on a Sunday so you get to be with people who are different than you to remind you and me that my way of seeing things is not the only way. 
That's what the Holy Spirit does in Acts chapter two. It is wild up in Acts chapter two. They're all speaking in different languages. And then, and then the revival spills out from this upper room. I mean, everybody's amazed and perplexed. How is this happening? This doesn't make any sense. Where is this coming from? Can I tell you who was more surprised than the outsiders looking in? The insiders who were getting it. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you were surprised by the Holy Spirit? When, when is the last time the Holy Spirit blew your mind? When is the last time you felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to take a big risk, to give a, an amount of money that you hadn't planned to give, to do something for your neighbor that's gonna inconvenience you but may open their heart to Jesus? When is the last time you just felt a prompting you're out in public, you're at a ball game, at a restaurant, shopping at Target. When is the last time you felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit to just ask a perfect stranger, hey, do you mind if I um, share how Jesus changed my life with you? When's the last time you invited someone to church? Can I tell you, um, let me tell you the last time I invited somebody to church yesterday. Can I tell you what happened today? He showed up. Believe it or not, you're sent. I go to the Y, love the YMCA. I'm there five days a week. This week, saw a guy. He said, hey, I think you spoke at North Greenville when I was a student. I said, yeah, I speak there all the time. What's your name? He said, my name's Shaquille. I said, well, my name's Clayton. Do you go to church anywhere? No, I don't. Would you like to come to my church? Maybe. What church? New Spring. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Y'all are real friendly. Way to go, church. Way to go. Saw him again a couple of days later. Hey, Shaq, I'm looking for you on Sunday. All right, I'm gonna see what I can do. Go to the gym yesterday, try to get a quick workout in. Shaq is sitting on a bench, got his earbuds in, walk up to him, slap him on the shoulder. Shaq, I'm looking for you tomorrow. I'm gonna be there, pastor. This morning, me and Brad and Trevor are walking across the top of the atrium, uh, coming down here to preach the first message. I look out in the parking lot and sweet Miss Jane Waters, some of y'all know sweet Miss Jane, sweet Miss Jane Waters, who is sent on mission, is walking my friend Shaquille in from the parking lot. It was beautiful. And can I just, it was so beautiful. And I run down the steps so I can be at the front door to meet him. That wasn't a risk for me to invite him to church. It's so much easier than we think it is. You want Jesus to start uh, shaking your world up? You want the Holy Spirit to surprise you? Just start talking about Jesus. You'll be surprised how people will react. You'll be amazed how many people will actually wanna hear what you gotta say. You'll be amazed how many people will go, yeah, sure, I'd love for you to, to pray for me. We do that at restaurants a lot. They come, take our order. Hey, we're gonna pray before our meal. Can I pray about anything for you? I've only ever had one person say no thank you. Take a risk. Roll the dice. Come on, church. It is fine to follow the Holy Spirit because you never know where he's gonna take you or what he's gonna do with you. Let the Spirit surprise you. Oh, and side note, y'all know I'm a storyteller. I've written books about stories. I've preached about stories. I'm always looking. I'm a story waiting to happen. I just always am looking for a story. Do you know the best stories I tell are the ones where I had the Holy Spirit prompt me to do something weird, crazy, unexpected, or out of the ordinary. Most of the time, I fail. So many times, I don't do it. But when I take a risk, he always surprises me. And then I get to stand and tell you all about it. You've got stories to tell. You've got risks to take. Let the Spirit surprise you. Number two, in Acts chapter two, this is what it looks like to be sent. We are saved by the gospel. When you're sent, you know it's the gospel that saves people. You know that the gospel saved you. 
and you are looking for opportunities because you're sent by God into a world that God loves and that you love, you're looking for chances to share how other people can be saved by the gospel. Okay, so this big revival moment happens, Spirit of God falls in Acts chapter two, and it spills outside the building, and it kinda, if you could geographically see it in Jerusalem, it comes down the hill from the upper room to the steps of the temple. And how do we know that? Well, let's read the scriptures together. We're gonna look in Acts chapter two, verses 14. We're gonna look around at a few verses here for the sake of time. We see Peter proclaiming the gospel that saves people. Verse 14, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. And then he begins to proclaim the gospel. Verse 22, he says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge You use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. But God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Peter's getting in his groove now. He's he's warmed up and preaching. The last time we saw Peter in a significant way, what was he doing? Denying that he knew Jesus, acting like a coward, running away, no, I don't know this man. What is the difference between Peter at the end of the gospels when he's denying Jesus and Peter on the day of Pentecost? The difference is the Holy Spirit of the living God had fallen on him and now he is filled with boldness, a spirit of evangelism. That's what he's doing here. He's also not scared of the people that he know could kill him. He knows they're capable of killing someone. They just killed Jesus. But you know what he's saying to them? I've met God. I know Jesus. I'm filled with the Spirit. So if you kill me like you killed Jesus, I'll be resurrected again one day too. So I'm gonna take a big chance here that some of y'all might actually believe what I'm saying because I believe in heaven and hell. I believe that the gospel is the only way to be saved. And he proclaims the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now look down at verse 32. 32 through 36, he ends his sermon like this. God has raised this Jesus and we are all witnesses to this. Therefore, since he's been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it wasn't David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He is letting everybody know that Jesus is Messiah and Savior. This is the message of the gospel he proclaimed and watch what happens in verses 40 and 41. With many other words, he testified strongly, urging them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. 
So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, look, New Spring Church, 3,000 people were added to them in a day. In a day. What brought those people to Jesus? The Holy Spirit. What saved them? The gospel. That's why he urged them to be saved. He wanted them to know Jesus. We're saved by the gospel. Listen, as a church, you know this. We've doubled down and tripled down and quadrupled down on this. There is only one way to know God. There is only one way to be saved. That's not bad news, that's good news. Jesus loves us so much, he doesn't want us to be confused. He wants to give us clarity. If you wanna be saved, give your life to Jesus. If you wanna go to heaven, give your life to Jesus. If you want God to help your marriage, your finances, your depression, your anxiety, your anger, if you wanna love your neighbor, if you wanna forgive someone who's hurt you, the answer is always Jesus, 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 Jesus. He's raised from the dead. He's alive. He's with us right now. That is who we are about as a church. Not our name, not a preacher, not a, a professional. No, 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 no. Jesus. It's Jesus. And we're saved by the gospel of Jesus. And when you're sent on mission, here's the good news. You really don't have to do the work. The gospel says the work has already been done. Jesus has done the work on the cross for you and for me. And so when you are saved by the gospel, you can, you can give it away in both proclamation and demonstration. You can share it verbally. You can show it with your actions because you're always on mission, always sent. Now, we've got the day of Pentecost, upper room, Holy Spirit falls, tongues of fire, rushing mighty wind, everyone's speaking in their own languages. Miraculously, everybody understands it. Now, that spills out to the, we think, the southern steps of the temple because they baptized 3,000 new believers. When the Jews would walk up the southern steps to enter the temple singing the Psalms of Ascent, before they would walk into the temple complex, they had to bathe and wash themselves to be clean. And they've discovered over 50 mikvahs. That's a baptistry or a baptismal pool. I said baptistry. Y'all can tell I grew up in a Baptist church, can't you? You know where the baptistry was, right behind the choir, right, right behind the preacher, right? That was the only place in Jerusalem where they could have theoretically even baptized 3,000 people in one day. So the revival goes upper room, temple steps, and now where does the revival go? Into people's homes, into people's homes. This is what we learned. Being sent means that we are strengthened by each other. It means we're strengthened by one another. We don't do this by ourselves. It's, it's not a solo sport, it's a team sport. We need each other. And we see that in Acts chapter two, verses 44 through 47. It says in verse 44, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And look at the last part of the last verse. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It's pretty clear, isn't it? You had 3,000 people saved in one day at one event, and we celebrate that. And then you've got people being saved day after day, 
one-on-one, at work, in homes, on the streets, in the neighborhoods. Some people like to always ask me because they know I'm an evangelist and a pastor, but people like, Clayton, do you, do you believe that, that, that evangelism is more important or discipleship is more important? And here's how I always answer that. Yes, I believe they are both more important. You can't have one without the other. I, I could not pick evangelism over discipleship any more than I could pick being a daddy or a husband over each other. It's both and. What I'm praying for us today, and in just a few minutes during our time of response, some of you are gonna have an opportunity to ask the Lord to give you a spirit of evangelism, a gift of evangelism, and you don't have to be a full-time Billy Graham evangelist to do it. We can all open our mouth and share with boldness. We can all open our hearts and our homes and share with kindness. This is for everybody. We're strengthened by each other. In this kingdom that we're a part of, kitchen tables are just as powerful as pulpits. In this kingdom we're a part of, that fire pit in your backyard is just as effective at evangelizing lost people as the stage on a Sunday where a pastor comes to preach. In this kingdom, a good tip you leave at a restaurant with an invitation for someone to come to church will probably have a a, a way more, a, a bigger effect on that person than someone asking them to come to church and never backing it up with kindness. You'd be amazed how much a $10 tip will open up a person's heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the kingdom that we live in. And Brad said it last week, and I'm gonna say it, and our other pastors are gonna say it throughout this series. Listen, you can't reach the world and hate the world at the same time. The world needs to know that we love them. People need to feel our love for them. That's how how they feel God's love for them. It's through us. That's why it's boldness, but it's also kindness. That's why we can be clear, but we can never ever justify being unkind to a human made in the image of God because that's our witness, that's how we are sent. We, we, we gather on Sunday and we're sitting side by side with each other and then we go Monday through Saturday. We gather and we go and we go and we gather and we do all of that as a team. We do all of that as a body, which transitions in to the very last thing I see in Acts chapter two. If you wanna live a lifestyle sent, Remember that your devotion makes a difference. Your devotion to the Lord, your devotion to reading scripture, your devotion to prayer, your devotion to tithe, your devotion to be kind, your devotion to your family, your devotion makes a difference. So put any thoughts out of your head that it's only, you know, you know, Brad and Lee and Dan and, and Clayton or whoever's up on this, put that out of your head. Put it out of your head that now that Billy Graham's gone, don't know what the world's gonna do. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist. The Holy Spirit's job is to point people to Jesus and, and draw people to Jesus. Listen, we're all filled by the Holy Spirit so every one of us can be an evangelist. And the way that we do that is oftentimes our devotion. It says it right here in Acts chapter two, verses 42 and 43. They devoted themselves to four simple things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So simple. They were all about those four things. 
and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Their devotion makes a difference. It's occurred to me, while Peter is preaching the gospel to thousands of people at the temple, there is somebody's nameless grandma five streets over in her house on the backside of Jerusalem, she knows as soon as the revival ends, everybody's gonna be hungry and, they, and, and she's in her kitchen and she's baking bread and she's preparing a meal. Her devotion to those daily duties were just as important and effective in the kingdom and the proclamation of the gospel as Peter who stood up and saw 3,000 people not just pray a prayer, but get baptized to show that they had really belonged to Jesus. Do not underestimate the difference you can make in your devotional life, just the things that you're committed to. Now, you know I'm 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 a walking story waiting to happen, right? Can I tell y'all a story to illustrate this while we're done? Thank you very much for your permission. All right, tell you a story about how I think of being sent because I want you to to get a taste for evangelism. Our leadership here at church, we're feeling this, we're seeing this. I got an email just this week, Sunday night, a week ago tonight, a guy is riding down the road in Asheville, North Carolina, turns on 106.9 The Light, hears a gospel message on the radio, hears an explanation of how he can get saved, and he prays to receive Christ in his car on the interstate and sends an email to say, hey, I got saved listening to Christian radio. Spirit of God can use any available vessel to reach people. When I was uh, 15, just got my beginner's permit. I should have failed. Actually, I did fail. But I honestly think that I sweet-talked the old lady that gave me my driver's test into giving it to me. I think she felt sorry for me. So I can drive. I can't drive at night, and I'm working for my dad in my dad's motor shop. Y'all, I worked all the time as a kid. I just thought it was normal. So my dad says to me when I get my beginner's permit, he goes, now that you can drive, you're gonna run the motor route for me. So I would be in my dad's shop. I'd be back in the back with the grease monkeys and I'm dirty and filthy and my dad would yell, son, come here. Walk up to the front. He'd give me the keys to the shop truck, a red F100. Give me the keys to the shop truck and he would send me on a mission. Clayton, drive to the Beatty plant. They've got 19 motors over there. Pick them up and bring them back. Clayton, drive to the Furman plant. They've got a 50 horsepower that needs repair. Clayton, drive to Millican in Spartanburg. Clayton, drive to the Gerber plant in Pelzer. They've got a 25 horsepower that's burned out and needs new bearings. So here I am, 15 years old. All I've got is a driver's license, my wallet, and the keys to my dad's truck. I would get the hand trucks, put them in the back of my dad's hand trucks, and I would drive to these cotton mills and factories. Now, church family, can I bless you, saints? This was the 1990s, and there were a lot of guys in those plants and factories. And let me just say, they were not filled with the kindness of the Holy Spirit. Every one of them was not nice. There might have been a couple of them that were saved, but I'm talking like just barely saved. And some of these guys, I would, I would get out of the truck, and these Vietnam vets, these Korean War vets, these guys that, I mean, rough, blue-collar guys, from where I'm from, Fountain Inn, South Carolina, 296-fo-fo-f I till I die. I mean, these guys were rough. I'd be wheeling down the, I'm 15, wheeling down the big long factory with a set of hand trucks and these guys would stop me. Who are you? What are you doing here? Where's your name tag? What do you want? 
Who are you trying to find? These guys were intimidating. Most of them had a Marlboro light hanging off their lip with the ash about that long. And, and I, I was so intimidated, I did not have any confidence. But it took me one time to figure this out. How I answered that question changed the way they responded to me. Who are you? What are you doing here? What do you want? Where's your name tag? Where are you going? I would say, my name's Clayton King. My father sent me. Who's your father? Joe King, the owner and president of Electric Service, is my dad. And as soon as I spoke with my mouth the name of the one who sent me, as soon as I said, my father sent me, and I called his name, the attitude of those men changed. Follow me. And they would typically walk me all the way to the shop and they would help me put the motor on a, or the motors on hand trucks and help me take it all the way back to the truck and help me put it on the Tommy lift and lift it in. It's not about you. It's about who's sending you. You are not an evangelist in your own authority. You don't have to save anybody. You're just on a mission. You're just here because Jesus sent you. You're just telling people what God told you to tell them. And if they accept it or reject it, not on you, on them. But I'm telling you, you need to quit assuming the worst and start believing the best about people. Don't say no on behalf of other people. They might be really interested in what you've got to say. They might really want to come to church. They might think church hates people like them until you show them kindness and you invite them or you tell them how Jesus changed your life. They might show up too. You might glance out and see Miss Jane walking shack in and get so excited you can't do anything except jump up and down and praise God that he came after you invited him the third time. Church, I just want you to get in on the fun. It is so much fun to know you're sent and to be able to say, my father sent me. I'm not doing this in my authority. You don't have to either. You're under the authority of your heavenly father. It's his mission and the success depends on him, not you and me. So I wanna ask you to do this. Eyes open, lights on. We're gonna have a little bit of a different kind of close right now. I, I wanna, for every campus, this is every campus included right now. In a minute when I'm done, a local host and pastor is gonna come out and, and shepherd our response time. But right now, I wanna ask a question, give you a second to think about it. If you just really wanna ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit with a mind and a heart for evangelism. If it's been a while since the Holy Spirit's amazed you, if you hadn't been surprised by the Spirit in a minute, you can think about people that you work with, live with, play with, live beside in, in your world, and you just wanna have eyes to see opportunities to speak to them, and you just wanna ask the Holy Spirit, will you give me boldness for evangelism? Not everybody has to do this. Some of y'all are already doing it. Don't feel bad if you don't stand up. I was amazed in our first gathering today how many people stood up for this, but if you just would like to say, Holy Spirit, give me a boldness for evangelism. I'm praying for it right now. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you. So if that's you, every campus, if you want a spirit of boldness for evangelism, I'm just gonna ask you to stand up right now. Not everybody needs to do it, whatever the Lord tells you to do. I'm just gonna ask you to stand up on your feet. And this is every campus, and I wanna pray for you I have nothing different than you have. 
His name is the Holy Spirit. But I have the gift of evangelism. And you know what the Bible says? You can pray for spiritual gifts. You can ask the Holy Spirit right now to give you the gift of evangelism. And it starts by just opening your eyes to see where God's taking you, because you're sent. Could I ask y'all to do this for me, every campus? You know what I'm gonna ask you to do? I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands up. It means surrender. It means submission. You can close your eyes or open them. Doesn't matter to me. The main thing is that you submit your heart to the Holy Spirit right now. Just pray this to him in your heart. Holy Spirit, fill me with boldness and fill me with kindness. Give me the spirit of evangelism. Open my eyes to see opportunities. Open my ears to hear your voice. I am sent with your authority. Now give me boldness to speak the gospel. I want you to take about 10 seconds right where you're standing. I want you to pray your own prayer to the Holy Spirit, whatever you're feeling in your heart right now. Now I'm gonna ask everybody at all of our campuses to stand together. Everybody, let's go ahead and get on our feet. Prepare to respond in a moment. We've got communion available. Our ministry teams are gonna begin to move right now. Let me tell you what's gonna happen in just a second in your room at your campus. A local pastor is gonna come out and shepherd us through this. But you know, Paul said in the New Testament that we can stir up the gift that is within us by the laying on of hands. And we wanna normalize this at New Spring. We're normalizing it now. As our ministry teams come, in just a moment, someone's gonna come out and invite you. I know we've, so many of us have already stood to ask God to give us boldness for evangelism, but I believe there may even be some of you that wanna come and have someone lay hands on you and pray for you to impart a gift of evangelism to you, to stir up that gift. Impartation is not weird, it's not strange. It's actually biblical that there's something that happens When a brother or a sister lays hands on you and prays for you, Paul said it will stir up that gift. So when I say amen, your local host is gonna come and uh, you can come to the front for all different ways to respond, but specifically, if you want someone to lay hands on you and pray for the gift of evangelism. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you that you are sending us into the world with your authority. Help us to obey in Jesus' name, amen. Now, right here in the room at Anderson, I wanna invite people to go ahead and begin to move. We've got communion available for every believer. So if you're a believer, you can come and take communion. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, the cross is right up here at the stage. Someone can pray with you to lead you to Christ. But I really wanna invite those of you that want someone to pray over you, lay hands on you, and pray that you would receive the gift of evangelism. We're all evangelists and we can all share, but there is some special spiritual reality that takes place. A gift is stirred up in you when you let someone lay their hands on your shoulder and just pray for the Spirit to stir up evangelism in your heart. So I'm gonna invite people to begin to move. Our ministry teams are literally all over the room. You find someone, and worship and respond as the Lord leads.
thanks for listening to the New Spring Church podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina. Thank you.